This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I apparently should not be searching for certain things in my... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> my I laptop? forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one to learn. We... We learned don't search how to get rid of dead bodies. Mm. Um, we had Sarah search for us instead, but uh, you don't want to miss a, a minute of today's show. Really, really good stuff. Christopher Rufo is on with us, the whistleblower against Coke and their uh, wokeness from the inside. Uh, he's on with us as well. Just a great show. You don't want to miss it. Um, let me tell you about our sponsor. It is Built Bar. They're so delicious. They're so delicious. They have 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Also made with 100% real chocolate. They have amazing flavors that you're going to love. If you're skeptical and you're like, really, I'm going to like that as a snack? I I will tell you, I didn't think... I honestly thought there was some FDA thing that said protein bars have to taste like cardboard or chalk. And uh, something the government would do. It, it would. They would it actually would. come up it with would. that. Except it would be about ice cream or, uh, <laughs> you know, beef. Mm. It's got to taste horrid. Um, protein bars, this protein bar at least, Built Bar is fantastic. Fantastic. Built.com. Stu's wife turned my wife onto it. Then, uh, he, then he was onto it. And then I'm onto it now. And. And so on and so on and so on. You will spread the word about this because it's really a great protein bar, great snack, low calorie, um, high in protein, built.com. Use the promo code BECK, get 15% off your order. Promo code BECK, built.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Sometimes you can have too much faith in people. You can think they're just not this stupid, but you're usually disappointed. Mm. Uh, the husband of the uh, Massachusetts realtor, you know, have you been following this? A little bit, yeah. Okay. So um, this guy, Brian Walsh, he was a guy who um, was selling fake Warhols. He was in trouble with the law. I think he was maybe under house arrest for a while. Um, and his wife uh, got another job. She had to move to Washington, D.C. She came up for the holidays, and, and then uh, she was called back to Washington, and nobody's seen her since. Hmm. Uh, now, <clears throat> there is one thing. Now, they have, they have uh, taken him in. He's not been arrested for murder. But they took him in because he he misled the police. He said, the only thing I did on the day of her disappearance was go out for ice cream with my kids. Unfortunately for him, um, he was uh, spotted at Home Depot. where Noted he, ice cream purveyor. Yes. Home Depot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, he, you know, he was um, he was going to Home Depot. And he showed up wearing a mask 
uh, and a hat and gloves, and he bought $450 worth of cleaning supplies. And what's weird about this, too, is he got lost apparently several times and then lost on his way to his mother's house uh, because he didn't bring his cell phone. So anyway... (laughs) So he was well, he's concerned about cleanliness. Cleanliness. We're in the middle of a, a For, raging triple demic right now. Exactly right. You got to wear the gloves. You got to have the mask. You got to have the cleaning supplies. Exactly right. right. So he goes home and he's cleaning up something and he completely forget. Oh, I forgot. I stopped for cleaning supplies. Sure. Um, and so they, they brought him in for that um, for misleading police. But there is something else that he did that is kind of curious that you would think. No, no one would. Do, no one would do this. Um, he the day before she disappeared, uh, he Google searched how to dispose of a hundred and fifteen pound human body. A hundred now specifically one hundred. Yeah, one hundred fifteen pounds. pounds. Uh-huh. Now, I think we should Google search this because I'd like to see. I'm not googling that. Yeah, Sarah, you Google it real yeah, quick. Sarah, Sarah can Google it. Google it. You just Google it real quick. It tells us. I guess I'm not googling it either. I'm pretty sure Sarah's search history goes directly to the feds as it is. Yeah. So you might as well. <laughs> so tell us what it says here. Um, I mean, does it give? <laughs> does it say like step one? Go to Home Depot. Buy cleaning supplies. Don't bring your cell phone. <laughs> Well, right away, the stories just turn up of the story you're talking about. Oh, so okay. yeah, news yeah, articles. yeah. Right. I change it to but, 120. See if maybe yeah. that would help. This, you know, just, the weight about, is not necessarily. Yeah. Specific. How about just, uh, you know, dispose of a human body? How to dispose of a human body? See if that. Because I don't think the weight, weight would just be like dig a bigger hole. Right, so right. I put how to dispose of a 120-pound body, <laughs> yeah. and scrap metal recycling comes up. Scrap metal recycling? Yeah, safe handling and disposal of harmful products. Okay. okay. More recycling, right. what is the most valuable thing to scrap, but there's nothing right. on how to there's get rid of nothing a body. to get rid of, but there oh, is. Oh, dead animal disposal. Oh, there you go. Ah, there you mm-hmm. go. Dead animal disposal. Now we need to actually contact the feds and say, we think something happened with our producer and a 120 pound person has disappeared we don't even know we don't know where they are we don't even know their name can you just check their computer yeah though? i just want to make sure her computer is and check for scrap metal right check for scrap yeah, metal. okay i think like you're you're you just go for like I, I mean there's a bunch of movies i can think of that's the only way i think if i was going to dispose of a is that the topic you wanted to get into how to actually do it because yeah. i think i would go you've got uh, fargo you could go the fargo yeah route. i mean there's a lot of movies that you can right. go but you know it might also show up on your netflix history <laughs> if you're watching all of these <laughs> movies where they dispose of bodies you know, I'm just saying. Which Netflix movies feature disposal of 115-pound female bodies named Joan? It was, it was in their Netflix search. I, I, I don't know. Just the, I just like that genre. That's yeah, all. Yeah, you know? that's it. Wow, that's, that's it. really sad, though. God. Okay. This well, is... it kind of makes me happy. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're they're gonna find out who did it. Yeah, because at least he justice should be served. Wasn't really bright. Oh, this is a good, this would be a good plot to a movie where you commit the murder, and then I go into your house, Glenn, and I say, "Hey, um, just uh, you got what's your computer like?" And then I just go over, and start searching terms that would lead lead them to you. 
I mean, at or, some point, or, that's really going to happen. Or here's what we do. Uh, it's the old strangers on a train. We just go out and ask somebody to murder somebody that we want to get rid of. And we'll murder somebody that they want to get rid of. So I search how to dispose of a 200-pound body, but nobody in my life that runs 200 pounds has disappeared. Mm-hmm. Of course, somebody that runs 110 did disappear, but I could say, I didn't search for that. <laughs> I was searching for 200-pound bodies, pound guys. Bodies. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that would be an interesting, yeah, yeah. an interesting conversation. And he'll search for 110, mm. and the person missing in his life 200. <laughs> You're just trading the murders. Yes, that's mm-hmm. all we're doing. Okay, let me give you something uh, that I think is absolutely amazing. Uh, it's an 11-year-old boy uh, named Jude Kofi, and he was spotted from this local um, uh, television uh, story on local news. His dad is from... Where are they from? Well, the story has it in. They're from like the Sudan, I think. They live in Colorado. And this kid, he's autistic. And he went down to the basement where there was an old piano. He had never had any lessons or anything else. And uh, all of a sudden, dad's hearing a piano playing downstairs. And he's like, what the heck is... He goes down and his kid is playing the piano. No lessons. No lessons. Plays the piano. You're going to hear in this clip him playing the piano. No lessons. This is just him, this autistic kid, playing the piano. Somebody sees it on TV. If you've wondered where are all the good people, uh, listen to this. To 11-year-old Jude Kofi of Aurora, Colorado, this surprise was music to his eyes. Obviously, whoever said the best things come in small packages was never gifted a grand piano. Jude's father, Isaiah. So one day it just shows up at the house? Yes, all for free. Who does that? The answer in a moment. But first, the reason. About a year and a half ago, Jude's dad heard a noise coming from the basement. There was an old keyboard down there, but no one knew how to play it. Certainly not his autistic son, Jude. Or so he thought. Isaiah then got Jude a larger keyboard to see what more he could do. And boy, could he do. The kid never had a lesson. No one taught him any of this. How do you explain that you're as good as you are? It's a miracle. You think it's a miracle? That's what I prefer. Bill Magnuson prefers that, too. Is he special? He's beyond special. He's Mozart level. It's coming from somewhere beyond. Bill is a piano tuner. He saw a local news story about Jude, heard him play, learned how his parents immigrated from Ghana, how they're raising four children and sending money back to Ghana. What resources are left over to help this special little soul? Yours. Yeah. Using an inheritance from his father, Bill bought the piano, spent $15,000. He has promised to tune it once a month for the rest of his life. Very nice. And 
He's even paying for Jude to get professional lessons. We're family now. Somebody to just love your son like that by making sure that his future is secured. No. We are super thankful. Yeah. Press the pedal. Caring for other children as your own. The defining note of humanity. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Really cool. That is, I mean, I just think that is one of the greatest stories I've heard in a while. Just listen to the words to this. It's one of my favorite bands out of California. What if all they lost was all they had? What if they were broken? Just looking for a hand If you could help or walk away If that choice was up to you What would you do? What if it were you? Don't quite feel like I belong. Where did all, so where did all the good people go? It's a group called Poor Man's Poison. Uh, they live in the farmlands of California. I just love their music. Uh, very American sounding. And their messages are really just great. What if all you gave was all you had? What if you were humble, just holding out your hand? What if kindness prevailed, and you were someone's second chance just giving back? That doesn't sound so bad. We keep asking ourselves, at least I do, where, where are they? Where, where are they? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. We don't see them because they don't generally make the news. But all the good people, that's you, that's me. The people who are looking for a second chance at life that have the ability to do something. That guy was a tuner of pianos. His father had just died, he inherited money, and he saw that story and he thought, this kid has got to have lessons and a piano. So he takes his inheritance from his father, buys the piano, says that he's going to tune it every month for the rest of his life, and he's helping him get piano lessons. We're surrounded by them. We're surrounded by people. The problem is there's not enough examples that we see and we should start looking for them. We should start sharing those stories and we should start recognizing that we've been given the opportunity, whatever it is, 
whatever it is, I wouldn't have thought I'd get this kid a piano. I'm not a piano tuner. But he did because that's his gift. You are the good people. Where have you gone? Nowhere. Just maybe a quick reminder to wake up and see the ways that you can help all around you. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. All right, I want to show you the guardians of history. Things are so bad with our history right now. Things are being taken down and things are being put up that are absolutely inaccurate. The latest is the Wall of Remembrance, uh, the Wall of Remembrance for the Korean War. If you've been to Washington, D.C., it's a lot like the Vietnam Wall, but this is for the Korean War. And this is really a cool memorial. It has these soldiers, these statues of these soldiers going through uh, kind of like a Korean forest, if you will. Well, they decided that they wanted to put a wall up with all the names. $22 million this cost us. And I don't know, is it one or two decades to get this done? When it was first proposed that, hey, we like the soldiers, let's put up a wall. The Parks Department said, no wall, no wall, we don't want names. We don't, we don't want it. Why? Because when the Vietnam War went, the wall went up, there were names that were missing. Some of them, somebody has to make the decision on who is actually a Vietnam War uh, veteran. For instance, one of the examples was a nurse. She's flying over uh, to go to Vietnam, but she's not engaged in Vietnam yet. Her plane crashes in Europe. Should her name go on the wall? Some people would say, well, yeah, she was enlisted. She was on her way. Others would say, no, that wasn't combat. That was in Europe. And it had nothing to do with the military. <laughs> this must be an impossible task. Impossible. That's right. why the Parks Department said, we don't want anything to do with a wall. <laughs> We've we learned our we, lesson. We've seen this movie before. Correct. We, yeah. Congress didn't care. Congress said, no, no, this is great. We're going to put them all. The Parks Department said, okay, if you do that, we want it in the bill that it is the Pentagon that makes the list. We have nothing to do with it. Okay. So they were so adamant about it that the Pentagon, it was written that the Pentagon is the one and the Pentagon could not take any outside advice or counsel. Okay. Let's just think about this for a second. The Pentagon has to look through 56,000 names that they said died in the Korean war, but there were only 36,000. So they have it wrong in the first place. Okay, they went with that one for about 20 years. And then they were like, oh, whoops, I guess there's some other people there that died that really weren't even there, had nothing to do with it. They got it down to 36,000 names. They couldn't take any outside of ice. So they've got a couple of problems with the wall now. Um, uh, in fact, about 1,500 problems. Uh, <laughs> there are people that were were there that were not listed, people that weren't there that are listed. Uh, I like this one, Frederick Bald Eagle Bear. He's an army corporal who was killed as he rallied his infantry squad to fend off an en enemy attack. He's part of the Lakota tribe. Well, because the Pentagon's records were all on uh, cards, you know, computer cards, that I don't even know if you have the computer to uh, use it anymore and could not um, could not use hyphenated names. The guy who is called Frederick Bald Eagle Bear, 
he's listed uh, as Eagle BF Bald. <laughs> not good. Not good. Eagle BF Bald? Yeah, yeah not, uh, not good. Also, I, I, I might want to point out that there's some other people that, uh, you know, they have their name up there. Um, and they, well, one of the guys was killed in a motorcycle accident in Hawaii. <laughs> another guy who drank antifreeze thinking it was alcohol. And another guy who um, lived for 60 years after the Korean War had eight grandchildren. He didn't die in a war at all. His name is up on a wall. $22 million. They now say the whole thing has to be taken down no. and redone. Wait, they can't. Hmm? They can't correct. There's no way to correct. Just put it. some putty in there. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> White out. Uh, yeah. No, it's uh, it's not good. The whole story is in my morning briefing. You can get it at glenbeck.com. It's an amazing story in its entirety. Um, but this is our history is under attack from so many angles. This one just sheer incompetence. You want to give the government the keys to truth and history? Really? Because they're not doing a really good job here. Their own department, the Department of War, the Department of Defense, the ones that keeps all the records. They, uh-uh, we don't. Nope, have no idea who these people are. Now, let me tell you a good step, but it's going to need your support. Friday, Ron DeSantis began a process of transforming Sarasota's new college of Florida into a little more conservative. Now, this is a progressive college. It's been floundering for years, but it is a it's the new college, like the new school in New York. It's a progressive college that's been teaching garbage forever and struggling. So because it's a state school, the governor said, well, it's floundering. We could shut it down or we could reform it. You know what? Let's reform it. So he appointed uh, six new board members, and they're a little more conservative. Uh, the dean at Hillsdale College is one of them. A senior fellow at the Claremont Institute is another one. And Christopher Rufo is also on the board of directors. Christopher is going to be joining us in about an hour. So Christopher Rufo, who is he? He's the activist that has been exposing everything that all the poison that is in our schools. They hate him. They, they hate him. <laughs> you have to hang on that H that long yeah, to describe do. how much they, they hate him. hate him. <laughs> Okay, so here's what uh, the Florida Education Commissioner said. It's our hope that New College of Florida will become Florida's classical college, more along the lines of a his Hillsdale of the South. <laughs> oh, they hate all of these people. Turning New College into a Florida version of Hillsdale is flipping the entire thing upside down. And DeSantis has just said it is time to take uh charge of our schools our schools are completely out of control and it is time to take them back amen how many governors have the balls to do this there you know i said this to you last week 
in Florida, there are signs that come up, and I think they may be coming from the administration. I don't know, but it says the free state of Florida. And when you listen to DeSantis talk, he talks about always the free state of Florida. Amen. That should be a goal for all of us. Why are we not the free state of Texas? We are relatively much more free than places up north, but we're not the free state of Texas. We should all be striving and pushing our governors and our legislatures to pass things that make us free men and women unencumbered by this nonsense that is being jammed down everyone's throat. So here's what I here's what I want you to do. I want you to read up on this. You can find the story. Um, just look for uh, Sarasota's new college. Okay, you can get the story at glenbeck.com or just look for Sarasota's new college, Florida's new college. And support this in every way you can. They are going to be coming with switchblades and automatic guns. They are going to be, it won't be a 22. They'll be coming with proverbial 45 caliber uh, weapons to this fight. And it will have an endless, what do they call it? Clip of ammunition. Uh, so we need to be prepared to stand up and, uh, fight back, but that is fight back the right way. You know, that I was earlier, I was reading to you the, um, uh, Thomas Paine American crisis and in it, he says, in fact, I want to read it to you exactly in it. He says, I have as little superstition in me as any man living. But my secret opinion has ever been and still is that God Almighty will not give up a people to military destruction or to leave them unsupported to perish. Here's the important part. Who have so earnestly and so repeatedly sought to avoid the calamities of war by every decent method which wisdom could invent. Neither have I so much the infidel in me as to suppose that he has relinquished the government of the world and given us up to the care of devils. And as I do not, I cannot see on what grounds the king of Britain can look up to heaven and ask for help. I cannot imagine how the progressive movement that is pushing the slaughter of innocence can look up and say, Lord, help us. Knowing that, as Lincoln said, God is not on our side. He doesn't pick sides. He wants all of his children to be redeemed and rescued. So they are in error, I believe. But God does not want them slaughtered. God does not. He wants peace and love and understanding. And we must do everything we can to remain peaceful, kind, loving, doing all of the things that we can in our power. And he will pick up the slack. But if we don't, if we are conniving or anything else, he cannot bless us. So, do everything in your power and not one thing more. 
best of the Glenn Beck program. Florida, Ron DeSantis announced on Friday, is taking back education. And he is changing the Board of Regents for the new College of Florida, which is a progressive university that's been floundering in lies for a while. Did I say that out loud? Um, and uh, and uh, so the, the, the Dean of Hillsdale is now part of the Board of Regents. Um, Christopher Rufo is uh, also a part of that. You might know who Christopher Rufo is. He has been the guy who has relentlessly been exposing um, DEI and uh, CRT and you name it. He has been uh, the the linchpin and leading force against all of that. Uh, he joins us now, Christopher Rufo, a known uh, Nazi supporter. Uh, I'm sorry, with some more research, I in the Washington Post would like to retract that last statement as being utterly false. Christopher, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. I can't keep up with all the retractions. You just got another one from the Washington Post and who else do? Jonathan Shade as well. Yeah. Chris, can you walk yeah, us through it, the litany? <laughs> yeah. So this is something that just keeps happening. And even in the last 48 hours, I've gotten a major retraction from the Washington Post. They wrote this ridiculous hit piece against me about my appointment to the Board of Trustees at New College. Uh, the editors admitted to me and then had to retract four false statements. Uh, and there was only four paragraphs in the story that were about me. So they were actually one false, one, one complete brazen lie per paragraph. Um, wow. And then the following day, which was yesterday, I spent all day hounding uh, Jonathan Chait from the New York uh, magazine. And he, too, ended up retracting a, a completely false statement. He made up a quotation, uh, attributed it to me. And then I said, well, where, where did I say this? He couldn't prove it, had to retract it. But here's the thing, Glenn. Both of these publications have done the exact same thing twice. Last year, the Washington Post had to retract multiple false statements about my reporting on critical race theory. Mm -hmm. uh, also last year, Jonathan Chait, the same author, made up a quotation that he attributed to me that was totally false, had to retract it. I'm starting to think that these things aren't a coincidence. <laughs> what do you think, Glenn? Yeah, well, I, I don't go too far out on a limb on that. You know, they know, the press knows, they can say anything and retract, and the retraction doesn't matter. The charge is out there, and uh, the print is out there, and it's online, and it'll be forever online, and that will be the part that is passed around about you. I, I mean, it, we are dealing with really nefarious powers at work, um, that know exactly how to smear and discredit people. So let me go. Let me take you to Florida here. Um, how did this unfold with New College, and what exactly are you trying to do, and the governor trying to do with um, education in Florida? Uh, so New College is Florida's smallest public university. It's on the beach, actually, in Sarasota. Beautiful location. Um, but it's had struggles for years. It's failed to meet recruitment targets. It's at about half capacity. Um, they can't get students in. They accept almost anyone, but very few students choose to enroll in the college. Um, they've had uh, this kind of broken culture for a number of years in which even, you know, professors and staff members are kind of uh, uh, at odds with the students who are uh, a very kind of left-wing progressive activist. It's almost like Evergreen State mm -hmm. out in Washington State that famously imploded a number of years ago. 
And the Florida legislature in recent years has considered actually just abolishing the college, uh, totally defunding it and transferring its assets elsewhere in the system. But Governor DeSantis had a kind of bold and dramatic alternative. He said, let's bring in a new board of direct, a new board of directors. Let's get some really smart people that have the kind of strength that's required to do a reform effort. And let's turn it around 180 and transform new college, this fledgling, struggling public university into what they're calling the Hillsdale of the South. So a classical institution of learning, of higher education. And that is our task. It is a big vision. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but I think all of us on the board of trustees are excited to make it happen and to show conservatives. It's time to stop seeding territory. Thank you. It's time to actually start taking back territory. Thank and you. And it starts here with New College. I, I will tell you, Christopher, we the biggest mistake we made was seeding the colleges and just saying, you know what, when they get out into the real world, no, they're out in the real world now, and they've changed the real world into this fantasy gobbledygook that they got from these universities. We have got to start taking them back. I have two kids ready to go to college. I don't know where to send them, I, I, and, and I'm, I'm terrified of sending them any, but one of them wants to be an, an actress. Good Lord, I've done everything I can. I prayed on my knees for days on end. Please make that wish go away. She's really good. She wants to do it. I can't send her into, you know, the lion's den. We need to take back education. Absolutely. But I think I may be a bit more optimistic. I think there are really two key strategies that people need to adopt. First is you have to make your own kids as strong as possible so they can actually go into the lion's den. You know, when my kids turn 18, I have three kids at home and I want that. I want to feel confident that wherever they go, they're going to have their their own principles. They're going to have their integrity. They're going to have the strength and sophistication to navigate those environments. But of course, uh, the, the kind of even maybe more important solution in the larger sense is for us to create alternatives in education. And look, we need to create alternatives in K through 12. We need charter schools. We need uh, universal school choice. So vouchers so parents can start their own home schools or religious mm-hmm. schools, whatever they want to do matches their values. And then higher education, you know, has been really kind of seeded to the left since the mid to late 1960s. That's when everything turned. Yep. Um, and look, conservatives have not figured out how to do it. I think that the problem, what I'm observing as I'm talking to people and navigating this new, this new enterprise is that the adults are scared of the kids, you know, really and truly. They're, they're scared of the, the students. They're scared of the media. They're scared of all the you know, laptop people you know, typing away um, at the New York Times. you got to get over that. It's like you have to get over that. And I think that what we want to demonstrate with this is that we have the strength, we have the courage, we have the backbone. We're going to hang very tough. Um, We're going to make a better university. Uh, It's going to be more competitive. It's going to be more rigorous. It's going to have higher quality academic offerings. And I think that what we've seen with Hillsdale College, where I've been fortunate enough to teach a course uh, recently, Mm. is that the American families are hungry for this kind of education. They are. They want that classical liberal arts education. They want students to kind of fall in love with learning. Um, and they don't want to have this poisonous left-wing ideology and left-wing bureaucracy drenching everything in their way. I don't want my kids to be taught what to think. I want my kids to be taught how to think. You know what I mean? How to find the answers, how to question, how to reason. 
That's what I want a university to do, and that's what they should be doing, pushing you in every different direction so you see that, you know, you should question everything and know how to question and know how to prove something uh, using critical thinking. But that's not what we're getting from our universities. Um, so how 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 are you? Because this is a very progressive school. How are the uh, professors and uh, everybody else taking it at the school? Do you know? Are you going to just shut it down and then rehire? You know, the, the, the students, of course, are very rambunctious. Uh, they're, they're in a kind of agitated mode. They're ready to protest and ready to, uh, to uh, make their voices heard. I, I, I like that. I think that's healthy. I'm excited mm-hmm. to engage with them as I go to visit the college in the coming weeks. Um, but, you know, what I've heard behind the scenes uh, is that professors are chattering uh, that this is actually a very good opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like what's happening in universities, people who are in science and math departments that are more apolitical, people who are kind of in the m- political moderate section. They don't like what's happening just as much as we as the conservatives don't like what's happening, but they're not strong enough to create a defense for themselves. So they just give up. We're going to create that space for people. And I've looked at the CVs for a lot of the faculty at uh, New College. I've done an analysis, actually, of all the full-time faculty. There are some incredible scholars there, people who are substantive. They have Ivy League university degrees. They've written on the classics, Greek, Latin, history, political science, an incredible math department. And so there is a, a very, very strong core of, of faculty and staff that are absolutely ready for this change. Uh, I, I think they're going to, you know, once they, uh, you know, kind of put down the New York Times and, 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 and have a chance to talk to us, the new board of trustees in person, uh, I think they're going to be reassured that we're going to create a better university. Um, there are going to be hard changes. We're going to restructure it. We're going to bring in a totally new curriculum. Um, we're going to be abolishing the DEI programming immediately. Um, but, but after those changes, after that period of tumult and conflict, um, I think it's going to be a great place. And hopefully when your kids are approaching 18, you'll consider sending them to new college. So, um, Christopher, I, I'm just sitting here listening to you and, and seeing the opportunity and the impact that you have made. And it's kind of it's fun um, to watch you, uh, because when I first reached out to you, I reached out to you as the contributing editor of City Journal to talk to us about what was happening in Seattle. And you were just at the yeah. beginning of all of this. And. And now look at the impact that you have made and the impact that you're going to make. Um, And this is just really the beginning. How do you do you ever think about like, holy cow? I mean, I took something on that should have been deadly. Everybody probably told you, don't don't do that. And (laughs) look at look what's happened. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. And it's been fun that we've been able to check in really since the beginning through this whole process. And uh, it's been really fun. And I've learned a lot of lessons. Um, you know, as you know, it's, it's sometimes uh, uh, challenging. It's difficult. Um, but I, I love it. I wake up every day excited about what I'm doing. I wake up every day optimistic about the possibilities. And then I've been able to do something that uh, I, I didn't plan on, but it's been really fruitful. I've been able to connect my ideas my policy work, my journalism, uh, my activism uh, with people like Governor Ron DeSantis, who have said, hey, this is a good vision. Let's let's let this guy loose and uh, and see if we can actually use these ideas. And so 
I, I'm really kind of blessed and fortunate and feel very lucky to have able to not just sit in a think tank, you yeah. know, in, in, in New York City writing white papers, but actually say, hey, let's, you know, let's use these ideas. We believe in them enough to actually do them. And I think that's the key thing. It's like, I believe in this enough where I actually want to do it. I want to stake my, my, my own, uh, uh, take, a, take a risk with my own time and reputation. Um, because I think at the end of the day, we're fighting for something that uh, most people want, um, but really most people feel there are a few champions for. And I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to serve that purpose for people. Christopher, I know, uh, I'm sure that we've asked you before, but I would love to do a uh, do at least an hour <clears throat> podcast with you because I think you are fascinating. You are really somebody who is is changing things. You're not just talking about it. You are actually changing things. Uh, and I would like to discuss in greater detail what the what the challenges are ahead and also where you get the I feel good in the morning, uh, you know, where you get the bright spots in education, because there's a lot to move. So we, we'd love to <laughs> yeah. we'd love to have you on as a podcast. Thank you so much. Let's do it. Let's do it. You got it. Chris, Christopher Rufo, contributing editor, City Journal, senior fellow of the Manhattan Institute and now on the new Board of Regents uh, for New College of Florida, uh, because uh, Ron DeSantis is taking on education in a big way now in Florida. What is my governor doing? What are other governors doing? In the... It's a really good plan. I mean, just, you can steal it. I mean, I'm sure he would give it to you. You just steal this plan and do it in your own state. I'm just saying. Na, 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 na.